Hello and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance podcast. This is the podcast where we discuss what leadership looks like in the modern insurance business. We talk to insure tech leaders and founders, innovators and change agents from the insurance industry. We also talk to thought leaders from outside the industry, such as organizational psychologists, performance coaches and investment professionals. Anyone who can add value to the conversation on how to lead insurance businesses of the future. Good morning and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance podcast. Um, I'm your host, Alex Bond. I'm very lucky today to be joined by the guys from Cognitive Risk, uh, which is Chairman Mark Huxley and CEO, Matt Carter. Um, Good morning, gents. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thanks for inviting us along, Alex. Very kind of you. Not at all. Absolutely, Alex. We're we're good. Good. You're you're my second ever um, duo. So um, we'll 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 see if we can if I can professionally referee two people. But um, (laughs) if Mark, it'd be it'd be great if you could sort of kick us off, um, introduce yourself, and um, yeah, I mean, I know Matt's going to probably cover our cognitive risk, but it'd be uh, good to give everyone a bit of a background of um, who you guys are. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. Um, So Mark Huxley, uh, I've spent my entire working life in, around and supporting the the Lloyd's London insurance market, Uh, originally a practitioner uh, working on syndicates in in claims, uh, big significant claims at that. Um, My era was all the asbestosis claims and everything else. But once all that had passed, uh, a a deep entrepreneurial spirit in me came out and uh, I think I'm right in saying I, I kind of pioneered outsourced claims management, professional claims management services in the UK, uh, working with what's now David's group, um, starting back in the 90s. So I was the founder of a company called Davis Menu Systems, um, which was quite kind of career changing because people took me away from being a claims man to somebody that I grew that business to scale very quickly. And that's really what I've done in the second half of my life is help organizations do that. Uh, I was the co-founder and um, co-owner of some marketing companies and then 2016-17 sold them up, um, having become an insure tech investor with risk uh, and helped help them found, found that business. Uh, and since times, been mentoring, really, mentoring and advising uh, businesses. And I'm going to hand across to Matt, who will fill in, but we've been friends for, uh, for an extraordinarily long time. And it was actually the, the medium of the Lloyd's Lab that brought us properly together to, to work one with the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Yes, thanks, Mark. Um, so yeah, I, my career is very similar. So I, I, in and around Lloyd's London market, first job as a broker, but um, and then lastly uh, working with managing agencies. But I was fortunate to get a quick pivot in my career, like the late nineties, to 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 do some work for a managing agency. It was quite forward thinking around distribution and, and online distribution in the internet early days, and that effectively started my career through uh, insurance and technology, and and had a bit of a uh, a sabbatical if you call it that out of the market setting up a software business that uh, again grew to some scale and was a from three of us that found it to 150 and that was a trade sale and but following that that brought me back into the the Lloyd's market um, where I was running a, a distribution platform and, and as I said both both of us mentors at the Lloyd's lab spoke about you know constantly kept in touch and Mark and I were always um, navel gazing what you know what where the world was going what was interesting, what was wrong, what was broken, and what we could do to fix it. And so cognitive risk is, is come out of that conversations. We both uh, found a meeting of minds. And, and as I say, what it is, is the, the sort of traditionally, the traditional answer is we're a strategic 
digital change consultancy focusing on insurance and technology. That's, you know, that's what we are. But in the sort of shorthand street version, we're a consultancy that operates in a space where insure meets tech um, and helping businesses get smarter in, in, in all its glory, whatever smarter is, and we go into that. But uh, mm-hmm. we're both experienced in the market, Alex. Uh, we, we, we talk about being uh, old heads with young minds. We're very curious, creative people. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. That, uh, that's a, that's a that's quite a good tagline. I might steal that somewhere. That um, because uh, I'm as we were starting the off air, I was moaning about how grumpy I've got in my old age, and I'm, I I might be I'm a relatively old head in a relatively old mind. I think unfortunately <laughs> at the moment. But um, no, that's really useful. Thanks, thank you, chaps. And and so smart insurance. I mean, I think that's the, the sort of phrase I wanted to pick up on. You know, what what does that mean to you? And and um. Yeah, particularly probably when applying it to the incumbent market, because I think we focus a lot, particularly on this podcast, but in terms of kind of general press and airwaves are put across to kind of new, innovative, small startup insure techs. But what does smart insurance mean in, in the kind of incumbent world? I think to me, it, it, for too long, I think the insurance industry has allowed itself to be an environment where it sells products and it thinks it knows what customers want but has never truly been good at going out to, to customers and asking them what they want. And so, you know, connecting smarter insurance on the one side of it, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk from the kind of business vision and culture, you know, where, where, where the insure meets tech, you know, Matt, Matt has worked more on that, that side of the industry. So for me on the, you know, the, the, the proposition, the values, the, the distribution of it, it's just really being smart about what do, you, what do you want your customers to be? Who are your customers? Do you actually know who you are? Do you talk to them? Mm-hmm. Have you really thought about the products that you're putting out with them? And are you working in an environment where you feel you have an equality of a relationship with that customer? And I think if one looks at a, a slight kind of corollary to, to what retail banking has gone through in the last mm-hmm. decade, decade mm-hmm. and a half now since the crash, you know, there was an industry that it opened at you know nine nine o'clock till three o'clock in the afternoon was shut on the Tuesday because it didn't want to open never opened at weekends and it, and it treated you know customers like, like something off the bottom of its shoe that it told what they would and not do and you look at banking post times and, and how it reimagined that that relationship that it needed to build because it had lost a lot of trust and I think let's not go there too far in this but I think you know once again out of a a global crisis, what, what industry comes out, you know, with a slightly tarnished reputation, you know, the UK insurance because of the BI, uh, which was one channel, but, you know, has rippled much further. So just really get into, to, to sit inside that and say, right, who's my customer? What do I want to do for him? So like the banks, you know, so, so out of that, you know, all of the, 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 the banking tech companies come along, the Revoluts, the Monzos, the Tide, Starlings, Etal, Metro Bank, all of which, started a discussion and a dialogue from a different place and the incumbents in that world the big four as was um that they they suddenly learned well do you know what that's not right because customers don't want that anymore and and i think if you look at your average bank operationally now you know the customer advocacy of what they do inside that organization is enormous so as i said to me it's really about understanding the values of your business what you want to be known for having a proposition that, that you know customers are looking for. Uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll shout a couple out as we, we go through. I think you look at you know, kind of a real trailblazer like bought by many uh, of what they did when they started. I think they've done that excellently. Um, Lacquer, you know, with the cycle insurance and the peer-to-peer that they've put in. 
a, a business like Blink Parametric, they, they've approached it. They're all businesses that have changed that relationship. And I think that's what the, the incumbent industry has to learn uh, and should learn down down the, the line. But you know, passing across to Matt, he, the smarter connectivity has a, a, a completely separate play as well. Mm. That's, so, yeah, so, I mean, we, we often focus, I mean, we mostly focus on the specialist side of, of uh, the market, insurance market. And so that's many actors and organizations. So we work with carriers and brokers and, uh, you know, distributors as well as technology. But the smarter piece from there is, is when we started, we were, we were talking about becoming the connected tissue or the glue between um, thinkers, doers and execution. And, and, and to Mark's point, we'll, we'll get onto it, I'm sure, a bit later. But as you look about change, change and, and becoming a smarter business, effectively, if you're not doing that with technology, then you're definitely missing a trick. And, mm -hmm. and the smarter there goes, actually, you don't need to necessarily build things. You need to connect things. And, and you know get to a point where the 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 sum of the parts is greater than the whole and so from smarter from that is actually being open-minded to uh, embrace some of the new technology some of it being very new you know bleeding edge of it not uh, in the sense of it's bleeding edge in the sense that there's the organizations that develop this alex are smaller and less proven so there's a little bit of risk to come in there but but nevertheless they are looking at, at problems with a different lens and by definition or uh, they, they are smarter they're looking at things in a smarter way um and we you know we're trying to we're trying to create and uh, facilitate those connections so first of all you need to know where you're going and and look at what the opportunity of being closer to your customers better you know better optimizing your operation and then connect that with smarter businesses that share the same values or are trying to achieve the same thing mm -hmm. rather than building it with yourself so um you know that and there are many people out there you know the industry has a lot of, has a lot of experience and a lot of uh, of smart people in it it's just some of the mindset and the culture definitely holds it back which i'm sure we'll touch on but it's not technology anymore that's not that's not a problem that mm. just needs to be adapted and used uh, to its ultimate advantage really I always love that phrase you put out with the technology you know no one needs to invent any new piece of technology you know there's more than enough out there it's just how you're gonna to take it in and harmonize it into your business yeah I mean I, I suppose there's two points on that that I that I've come up in the podcast that I've uh, already come across and one is that a lot of the tech that, ex that exists you know, um, like that's seen as new in the insurance industry is just tech that we're pulling over from other industries that's existed for a little while now. So, you know, it's more about kind of facilitating, embracing um, utilization of technology that's proven, but it's just being open to bringing that into the business. And I know, yeah, I'd be interested to talk to you guys in a second about how, how you set up for that, because I think that's that is the technology's there. So, so what are the challenges of why are we not doing it? So we'd love to get onto that. But secondly, there, there is a challenge of bleeding edge new companies in that, particularly in insurance. And I think, I think we need to acknowledge that, don't we? That there is the uniqueness of it, like, because there is a legacy. You know, if you're talking about a specialist, you know, a long tail class of business, um, if you're building a analytics platform or your, your platform on a new bit of tech, there's no guarantee that company's going to be there by the time that the tail of that whips around and you have to make some claims payments. So there is there is a there is an inherent challenge that 
probably the insurance faces that maybe perhaps banking doesn't because of the timescales. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to sort of see what's the kind of two two pronged question is that how do you mitigate that risk um, whilst being open minded to new technologies, and secondly, how do you how do you facilitate and set up to embrace kind of the new technologies that you can get you know off the shelf perhaps i'll put a quick comment on the second part of that i mean you know insurance is a regulated industry like banking like like any other financial service so there are already in my opinion enough checks and balances by the regulators to put um, prop, proper kind of regulatory and conduct risk um, over the top of it so i think if you break you know kind of insure tech down into into a couple of different components you know you, you you've got the pure tech play which is just you know automation roboticism something that's going to going to move move on um i know you had inari on there recently they're a client of ours i don't think they're a company that fit very much in that that thing so the risk there is you know they will be will inari be there long enough to deliver all the good stuff they're doing for their clients you know so there's there's one risk there uh, but on the other side of it, it it's about distribution you know and, and much of the the change that comes out is, and that's the smarter part of it, is particularly from a London market point perspective, is you know, just just trying to you know, take some of the touch points and the hands that touch this this simple risk. Because at the end of the day, the risk itself might be fundamentally simple. It's the the distribution that gets complex, and just just kind of putting the tech in that automates that through. So if you are going to be a you know a, a, an MGA distributor, obviously you've got your own regulation. If you're in the UK through the FCA. If you're going to deal through Lloyd's, you'll have the whole Lloyd's cover holder oversight that will, will go in. So I think there's enough of a check and a balance there. And obviously, if you're going to be you know, a full stack carrier, which I don't think anyone has quite done a lemonade yet, you know, but if you see that, then of course, and you're into a different regime and you've got to work in a different way. So I, I don't see it as, as a case of up-risking. Um, I, I think if anything, these organizations are, are de-risking much of the process because they're they're actually kind of making a more efficient capital structure for, for, for putting those kind of fundamentally, you know, kind of still cheap to purchase risks against the exposure that are out there and, and being more honest about, you know, where, where the money flow of it's going. So, you know, more of the money is sitting more efficiently in the hands of those that need it to do the things they need to do. So whether that's an MGA distributing it or an underwriter that's got a to deal with that premium or pay the claim and deal with the claim afterwards, you know, which I think is a, a segue across to Matt with the, the tech part of it, of, of how that needs to be better weaponized. Mm. Yeah. So Alex, we, we, you know, one of the interesting things is when we talk to our, our clients and just generally is we, we do we have the benefit of looking at problems from two lenses and trying to meet happily in the middle. And, and, you know, there is the, what is it you look like? What do you want to be? You know, what are some of the, if you like more macro challenges, and, and, and I look down the lens of, as you say, about de-risking the execution. You know, there's, there, is, there is a challenge going with a, uh, a, new, a new unknown, you know, uh, untested. But, but the, it's some, sometimes there are, there are benefits in going on the journey because of the learnings you get from it. Yeah. Um, irrespective of the risk, so you, so you have to maintain. You know, we're we're talking about insurance, so so risk is paramount to everything operationally and, and from a business model. Um, but from the from the tech side, that it's about trying to get sort of delivery assurance to to understand that the technology company or the technology vendor or the insure tech or whoever it is you're partnering with, um, there's some there's some sense of having done it before and there's some order and structure to it. So that de-risks the 
the incumbent working with them. Then there's then there's the reality of the you know the incumbent understanding what's involved and what's what's required of them because mm. you know working as we touched on before you know getting decisions uh, actioned quickly in in the insurance space is generally a bit of a struggle and the two speed approaches that you get from an incumbent to a startup are, are at times massively different so i think i think it was um I think it was one of the one of the founders of Flock talked about you know trying to make an insurer move at a speed that's um, uncomfortably fast for them and and the insurtech working at a speed that's uncomfortably slow for them but it sort of works in the middle yeah. and 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 getting that you know getting that push and pull uh, and and obviously communication and understanding where you're trying to get to de-risks that part. The other thing uh, element of course is that insurance. It's not about trying to generally create a completely new process. So there is opportunities to run things in parallel, which any good system vendor would, uh, you know, would attest to in terms of migrations. You, you know, you run it, you run things in parallel. You run things in a, in a, in a, in a test environment to make sure that you, you're starting to realise the benefits. And and uh, any technology company, any good technology company, would be, you know, uh, endorsing that. And that's how you can start to bring in uh, sol- new solutions, change into a, into an existing organisation. But uh, and, you know, and one of the one of the areas that we see just as a as a quite a major challenge is, of course, um, any any shift to adopt anything new is in itself difficult, mm. and it's possibly even more difficult in many of the organisations that need to change because they are pretty maxed out don't have the, the bandwidth or headspace to to bring something in that could ultimately be a benefit in the future so that that needs to be that needs to be addressed as well well one of the challenges i know that you know particularly the incumbent legacy insurers um face is is looking at it from a talent perspective because obviously that's my area of expertise is is on the recruitment side and if you look at some of the tech teams um, and this is not a criticism of, of any skills or, or, or anything within those teams, but the teams are built to uphold legacy systems. You know, they're there to repair and maintain and integrate systems that don't want to talk to each other. And that's that's the full-time kind of role of the tech team. So the bandwidth isn't there to look at innovation, what we could do better. Um, and, and that's some, you know, a couple of times people have come on and said, that, yeah, that's where the kind of problem lies is that the bandwidth isn't there to kind of look at new and better. It's because the systems are, because the team's essentially been built to repair and, and maintain. Um, is that something that you, you see or echo or is that, um, yeah, just a, is it, it doesn't speak to no, no, ab- absolutely. I mean, there's been, uh, this is one of the challenges that nothing moves particularly fast in, in and around the insurance market, really. Though, you know, this concept of, of having to run a bimodal operation, you know, you've mm-hmm. got to keep lights on mm-hmm. and, and, and keep up with what's going on outside. Uh, that's quite difficult, you know, especially if you're trying to do it with the same resources, almost impossible. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where, coming back to our sort of connected tissue, the, the, the need to partner with, with organisations is almost an imperative now. Mm-hmm. Um, not building, not necessarily creating monolithic structures in your organisation in any, in any shape or form. Um, 
building modular, you know, think about things in a, in a, in a, a matrix or modular uh, effects is very important. Um, but of course, that doesn't, that won't, that won't fly unless what you know where you're trying to get to from a, from a, you know, destination, which takes us back to the work that Mark does, which is around, you know, helping us visual, visualize and look at the, where we're trying to get to, and then you can bring the technology to play. But trying to get any change done with the same resources who are already maxed out is nigh and impossible. So you've got to start to think about how we can carve out space, time, or, or a better partnership and hand it off to someone else, giving them a clear steer mm. of what an organization wants to achieve. Mm. So it's definitely a challenge. No, and I, I, I put over the top of that. I mean, I, as Matt says, I, <clears throat> I, I look down the lens of what we do from an entrepreneur's eye. And to me, all of this is about culture and it's all about a, 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 a corporate culture of understanding what innovation is going to look like inside your own organization. And, and as Matt says, you know, when I go about my, my thinking for what we do, I always look at destinations because that's where you want to end up, you know, and that, that could be an ethereal esoteric or an actual destination, you know, it doesn't matter, but you, you have a pathway that you're going and you kind of got to come back to that and say, well, am I starting this, this journey from the right place? Am I on the right spot in the map? And I think the big challenge for, for the incumbents is obviously you've got a lot of hardwired thinking going into them and a lot of infrastructure that sits within them, which is, you know, makes them you know, less than agile. And that's absolutely not a criticism. And if you've got, you know, 500 people and you've got to try and move from one place to another, that, that's a huge, tough challenge. Mm. But if the business strategically and at the sea level can't understand, actually, do you know what, if we're going to start this journey, we need to move 10 steps to the right to get to the right place. Then all they're going to keep doing is putting sticking plasters over the problems that they've got. And they'll you know, meander around and never quite get onto the path that, that they, they want to get. So, I think a lot of this, and you, you framed it in a slightly different way a minute ago, a lot of this is, is encouragingly something we've both seen happen in the way businesses are thinking, away from getting kind of process thinking, you know, i.e. we think we're in the right place, but we've got a problem ahead and we just need to fix that problem, to actually know, let's do some system thinking, you know, let's go to the why are we doing this in the first place? And if we do this, what's the cause, effect and consequence of it? And should we be making that decision? Or are we just putting a sticking plaster over? So before we spend money doing that, let's spend another little bit of money somewhere else. And let's think about this in a different way. And actually, we might not even have that problem if we did another thing somewhere else. And mm. we try and encourage that, you know, getting into to, to looking at, uh, uh, you know, with, a, again, an entrepreneur's brain slightly to, to get people to th think about kind of micro innovation, mm -hmm. to actually think about let's do some small aggregated changes that, that themselves won't move the needle overnight, but they will get you in a better culture. They'll get you in a better frame of mind to think about what you're going to do and to make, you know, career people with inside organizations to think a little bit like entrepreneurs, but so, you know, intrapreneurs. So, getting them thinking about, right, well, I, I actually own this P&L for what it is I'm doing in there now. So would I want this happening in my business? And if you can kind of harbor that thinking, that culture in people, suddenly, you know, many lights go on. People realize it's not as scary as it looks. You absolutely make the right point. And, you know, Matt, Matt and I have experienced this, you know, all, all of the way through since we started Cognitive is you've got, you know, on the one side of it, businesses feel like they're running on fumes, you know, way too much work, got staff working at capacity, being told to manage budgets, you know, whether that's from you know, their own shareholders or, you know, in, in the case of a Lloyd's business with the future at Lloyd's you know, on all its program, going back to decile 10 and, you know, taking people out and certainly cutting the, the huge overhead cost. And I think, well, 
you know, in that landscape, how on earth do I have the time to actually do any kind of innovation? Mm. But the problem is that, that, that that's not a result fit because if you don't do any of this stuff, all you're going to do is keep putting sticking plasters over on what becomes an unsustainable business and results suffer. Yeah. And, you know, dare I say, if, if, if one looks over the last decade of Lloyd's results, they've not, they've not been spectacular, you know, and they're not spectacular again this year. And that's part of that being on the right journey again, you know, so many of those businesses, not all because, you know, many of them do get it right and have got it right. But some of those that you know, would, would serve them well, just to have a little look inside before they just commit to another 2021 repeat of 2020 and, 2022 on and, and think they're in the right place you just think about some of that stuff and think well if, if we can't get to there now how are we going to do that how do we make that change today that is going to enable us to to actually see a different business tomorrow because I, I think you know that there's a tipping point with the insure tech sector and I, and I and i really i in my world i want to lose that vocabulary because i think it's totally the wrong vocabulary where we are now you know it's a it's a fabric a trading fabric of the industry which is pathwaying a way forward. How do we get onto that bus? How do we get onto that journey? How do we actually take our business and adapt it forward? Um, and mm. you said something earlier that resonated with me that, you know, when, when we started Cognitive, but also slightly times before, you know, people said, well, you know, I'm not sure this digital transformations for us. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, that's a bit like saying, I'm, I, you know, I just don't think electricity is for me. You know, I'm just not going to run a business that way. And I'm thinking, well, what kind of business in the 21st century would say, I'm just not sure that digital world's for us. We were thinking, well, it has to be for you because that's how we all live our life. You know, mm. you, you, every part of the fabric of your life outside of work is, is governed by tech, digitization, smart work, smart everything around you now. Yet somehow you come to work, we pulled a grey suit on and we think we live back in the 1950s. I mean, is that really where we want to come in? And, and just, you know, an interesting point, I, I um, was at a, an event a week or so back and they had a speaker at it who was a futurologist and you know i, I love those kind of people because they talk about stuff that may never happen but they'll tell you if they got it right but anyway but the point being, being to this, this particular um, person they were they were talking about in their view the digital age is over we're now in the intelligence age and, I, and that really kind of resonated with me and i, and I thought well actually yeah you know we, we can somewhat let's bypass the are we going to do it without electricity and let's just accept you know, digitization is absolutely the fabric of what will drive your business now it's about smart intelligence now it's about i've got this stuff in a business what do i really do to make it work for me and and how do i bring that you know distinctiveness the differentiation of my business one over the other which i think is massively important to the london market when it's specialty and all of the businesses look and sound differently but they're actually underwriting the same pool of risks you know distributing the same product so yeah quite homogenize what they're doing so if you can get to that real spark of something that you know why me you know and, and i think that's what much of this journey becomes about then you know that, mm -hmm. that sets them to, to to meet a whole raft of new new opportunities yeah i i, I think i think there's there's well there was a lot in there and i think there's a lot of um kind of truth that i kind of see all the time and i don't think they do differentiate themselves very well at all i think that's one of the challenges and i think actually some of what's coming in from the kind of insure tech and I, look i hate the term insure tech i was talking about it yesterday i said because you could break it down into like i think i've broken it down into about four sections but you know you've got technology that is not centered on the insurance market but could be deployed in the insurance insurance market let's say wearable technology for example then you've got tech which is specifically built for the insurance market which focuses on some solving one you know specific issue or several specific issues then you've got kind of digital 
maybe MGA platform, digital distribution, essentially, which is, and then fourthly, you've probably got a full stack digital insurer. And, and at the moment, the, the, the language is that they are all insure techs, even though they are absolutely vastly different businesses with different problems. But if we kind of, we've only got, we, we can only work with what we've got, and that's the term we get given. Um, but I think what the kind of, if we look more towards the kind of full digital stack insurer, or at least one towards the digital MGOs, what they're doing is differentiating themselves and they're doing it. And, and, and exactly as you said, Mark, I think this micro innovation is, is a thing that's not focused on enough. I think the term innovation, you know, I've batted it a few times on here because I think it's the wrong term. Essentially, we're talking about changing things and implementing new things, which hopefully are better than we did it previously. You know, it doesn't have to be leaps and bounds. And I think the idea to focus on micro innovations, a lot of what these, um, you know, I interviewed a guy yesterday who runs an MGA um, in Europe, uh, and he said, we're not doing anything new. We're just doing incrementally better at every step. So we're using more technology in our claims process, but we're not getting away with the fact that people need to phone us because we want them to be able to. So what, what we're talking about is incremental differences, which on the aggregate makes a very different experience for the consumer. No, I, I absolutely agree. I think, yeah. Sorry, Matt. No, no, I, I was going to say, I, I, think, um, I think all of what's been said is absolutely, absolutely right. I mean, I think three years ago, I was on a panel asking, talking about, you know, should an organisation in the London market have a digital strategy? And it's like, no, no, your strategy should be digital. It's not, it's not a strategy and a digital strategy. It's like, no, no. So that's, that, that, that's moved on, which is good. Um, there is a challenge, to, as we always talked about, in the, the organisational design uh, of many businesses is, you know, is not to mess it up, which is a complete, you know, and the, the antithesis of a change. It's just like, let's not change because by not changing, we don't risk anything. We de-risk it to the ultimate. We've not got better, but we've definitely not got worse. So mm -hmm. that's not a place we want to be either. We're, you know, Mark and I, we're curious, creative people. We like looking at the uh, uh, problems and through a different lens and definitely looking outside of the industry to your point about insure tech but it's a, there's definitely a rich tapestry out there of, of stuff and it's about how you stitch it together it's, mm. that's that's the secret source i think mm. um but just just going through the the, the business part i think is really really interesting so we we talk a lot about obviously moving as the industry is moving from analog to digital and and we're you know Clearly, we, we could have a completely different conversation for a lot longer about people and, 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 and physical trading and the benefits or not of that. But fundamentally, being a digital business and digital first is about getting information and reacting to it that, that both benefits your customers and benefits your business and, and, and do so in a way that's timely. And, and that's what a lot of the technology delivers you. It delivers you sort of what should deliver you relative immediacy and flexibility to adapt it's a bit like um it's a bit like being in control of a sailing ship where you're on a tiller you know you've got your hand on the tiller a digital business and you're continually responding to external influences to keep you going to wherever you want to get to mm. and that that it, you know that translated i think is that's analog world the mm. digital world is obviously you know you've got lots of technology on ships that can help you do that and not deviate off your path but re the reality is if you're sailing a sailing ship and you take your hand off the tiller you're going to end up in a completely the wrong place mm. and and a digital business is saying we take the inputs 
we work out whether they're telling us a good good story or a bad story and we react to them and whether that's on the underwriting process or the pricing process on looking at your competitors um, and, and reacting and sorry just going back to just segueing back to everything we've also done some work that we do think and it plays right back to our sweet spot if you like is that uh, for good reason to maybe but more we think more bad it is we organizations certainly in and around london need to get away from looking and being like vanilla ice cream and they know they've got to spend some time standing up for whatever makes them different mm-hmm. and often people talk about people and that's a very important part of a business um but but fundamentally people there's a limit to how many how much exposure you can get your people exposed to and given to so your business has to stand for a bit more than your people and your people have to then re- reflect the, the you know the, the values of your business mm. and, and we we talk about that and and technology then is about is about augmenting that you know adding that into the mix not 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 it's not being a robotic business it's mm. about augmenting it with technology yeah. sorry Matt makes a really good quick quick point there that you know without turning this into a brand 101 you know when, when you when, when you when you consider brand as i've done for a big chunk of the last decade or so there is only one thing that sits at the top of the the, the pyramid of brand that actually connects you with a customer and makes an emotional engagement and that's the essence of what you are uh, and i think you know we, we, we get the villain or ice cream comment coming into it it's great, but that's not, you know, it's not a connection. There's a, there's a wrapper that sits across every vanilla ice cream that makes it look different, mm. but there's an essence that sits behind it. So, you know, so I'm going to have to take it off this in a minute, but you know, if, if you, if you take kind of, you know, walls vanilla, and then you've got Ben and Jerry's vanilla, you don't know why, but your eye is going to go to Ben and Jerry's because that business stands for something slightly deeper than the transaction I'm selling you ice cream. There is mm. something behind that brand. There is a, an essence to it. And I think that is so much, I think needs to needs to get learned, and particularly in, in in a kind of London corporate corporate scale markets. Um, I apologise if you just heard a doorbell there. <laughs> um, you know, in a kind of corporate scaled um, markets, because they 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 feel that they're too big to fail, but they've kind of lost the the identity of what what it is. What are we? Why do we get out of bed? Why do we come to work every day to, to do? Do it. Now we've got the dog barking, so we've got the full mix now. Um, you know, uh, uh, what are they doing? So. I'm going to go on silent because the dog is going to, <laughs> I think I made the point. <laughs> no, no, no. Thank you, Mark. That's fine. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree with you on the brand piece um, because, you know, one of the things that I've been like, drifting into more of the insure tech market um, for, for my work has, has been for the personal reason that uh, I was kind of, I was getting clients struggling to articulate what makes them different. So when you're searching for talent, I talk about this a lot, you know, at the end of the day, recruitment, executive search, whatever you want to frame it as, it's essentially a one-to-one marketing campaign to find you the one buyer, which is the, which is the right candidate to lead your business. Um, My role is to tell, tell a story and, and that story needs to be obviously truthful, but it needs to kind of, say why you're different what's what journey are you on what's the pathway why is it why is now the right time to join your business what does your business stand for what values do you have and it's incredible to me how little effort goes into this and how little understanding um people have i am um, i've bought a few people but i'm reading a book at the moment called 
I think it's called The Art of the Con. It's about con men, uh, which <laughs> it's not a good thing to put in parallel with my work. But, um, but, but the point is talking about human psychology. And essentially, it says that, that you know, humans buy into stories at such a level that, they, that they're happy to challenge facts. They will challenge you on a fact. But it's very difficult to challenge someone on a story because we're then talking about just belief. So if someone believes your story, it's more powerful than them factually, um, you know, doing anything. So when we talk about technology um, and brand, I think that's important because we can have all the technology in the world. Um, but if we're not telling a good story and standing for something and having values, then we're kind of we're not we're not differentiating ourselves. So I think there's two things. I think that particularly applies to the London market. I think London markets differentiated itself by having the historic tag of this is where all the specialist insurance in the world is done. We have all the kind of intellectual capital to deal with property casualty insurance of the specialist nature. And whilst I think that's true, I think we've got bogged down in the kind of um, the business of insurance, the kind of mechanics of insurance. And the quicker we can get to kind of automating processes using kind of, you know, uh, AI to kind of get rid of a lot of the kind of manual process orientated work, we can then get back to the specialist insurance that we're very, very good at. And we can allow our people to, to be the face of the, the industry and to kind of go out there and be the thing that makes the difference. Um, it was um, one of the companies I mentored in the, in the lab times past, basically as a platform uh, or policy administration system platform yeah. they they run an experiment across a, a very complex line of business and looked into the the mayor or person hours of processing that and they, they worked out to write a single risk from you know very first submission to final enter key being put on the fulfillment of it it was five and a half hours worth of, of person power to mm-hmm. actually do this what they then did very early in the experiment was say, well, look, you know, where's the quality of information we're getting? Where's the data? Where's the process? How do you actually do these things? Anyway, long story short, they collapsed that five and a half hours worth of work time down into under five minutes. It was you know, kind of four minutes, something to give the same equivalent information to that carrier. Mm. And it was with a, a live carrier and live risks that they were doing it with to say, well, you know, what we've now given you, is, is all of the information you need. Uh, you know, we're not going to weaponize you to say you can do multiples of four minutes in four and a half hours or five and a half hours. You've now got five hours plus to think about that risk. Think about the quality of the risk that you've got. Be an underwriter. You know, do you know, the big bucks that you're earning for the skill that you've got. Use that skill, you know, not, not doing the data processing and all that hand keying going on. And I think that was just so massively and vitally important. And, and, and the lovely thing was that they, they went into the lab thinking they were one thing came out of it realizing that they could serve the industry in a completely different way, which has been massively, you know, shape-shifting to them as an enterprise and, and mm. gain them real traction with the economy that they need to get into being, being that kind of London specialty market. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's no surprise to me. And that's, that's something we're hearing, uh, you know, echoed across the piece. Um, I'm conscious of time. So I, I want to shift us on to another part of the conversation because you, you two chaps have um, um, ensure scale up um is an is a is it'd be great if you could just introduce it as kind of an idea but the understanding is really it's, a, it's another it's, it's an insure tech community um so it'd be great if you could introduce it as a as a you know what insure scale up is um but also let, let's throw in the question straight away do we need another insure tech community um we've got sure tech gateway we've got yeah instech london we've got insure tech uk um do we need another one? And, and, and if so, 
why <laughs> it'd be great to great to hear about that Matt I'll let you lead off because you tell a better story of it than I do well I, I think there's yes we do because that whilst whilst we're, and we're, we're fans advocates uh, members of those other you know those other communities um, we, we think that they do a principally a one a one thing one thing well mm-hmm. and what is missing in the, the London market is uh, an environment or a community where you know, like-minded organizations and people can gather and meet with the with the sort of if you like the purpose of, of trying to uh, drive on innovation and change in the in the London market but also to do it with a way that we're looking at trying to power growth as well for for organizations that are coming into the London market to help them uh, achieve their their goals and aspirations and objectives because one thing that's very true if you're dealing you know if you've, if you've got a mind and a lens to the insurance market you need quite a long runway because it works at quite a slow pace mm. so there is a need to try and help people over a longer period than an accelerator program of 10 or 12 weeks or 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 another such such uh, event and so the insure scale up is a community about bringing where sort of innovators as we call them so that's everybody that's not an incumbent and insurance business regulated business comes and an insurance regulated businesses can come meet um and become better connected and and, and learn you know it's a learning as much as anything environment and you know it, ultimately, it's it's a community that's looking to build relationships. It, it's not completely altruistic from our perspective. There's a you know there's a subscription model attached to it, and and some uh, some engagement fees. But for principally, it's it's about recognizing Alex the the point that there is no place in currently that exists that is a con- continuum of enabling organisations that want to serve the insurance market. Uh, move on and adapt and those that work within it just to to meet and play nicely and that's what insure scale up is is trying to achieve in our in our own small you know small way so it's um it's a support mechanism it's supported as well because the other thing around change and 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 growth for so growth for the innovators you know helping them grow and drive their business and change if you like from those working in the industry is it it needs support from uh, external parties, so you know, experts and subject matter experts, and that, and we're looking to draw them into the crowd too. So that so there's, it's a three pronged attack. And uh, I'll let I'll hand back over to, to Mark. But I mean, it, it's you know, it's early. It, we're building it up. It exists. It's out there. Insurescaleup.com. Um, but it's really about trying to help perpetuate uh, an environment that helps people that want to make the insurance industry better mm-hmm. a place to congregate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes I'll, sense. I'll a couple of comments over the top of that. Um, this isn't something that Matt and I are doing on our own. Uh, it's a, a joint venture with a, an organisation called RHF Group um, that come into our lives uh, through a different different spectrum. Uh, they're, they're a funding company. Um, so we've, we're a member of a community they have, which is called Scale Up Arena. Uh, and and the, the, the very basic model is the same. They have a lot of scaling businesses that they're getting either ready for investment or have been invested in through their, their networks and are exposing these, these people to very large advisory boards and, and advisory groups that where they can, they can do that. Someone might need a 
you know, interim CFO, or they might need a marketing support or whatever, or they might just need some learning development, just, you know, kind of personal development sitting in. So we, we've, they will do that part of it. And on the other side of it, they, they then marriage, make them into large corporations that will be purchasers of, of what they do. So that was the model we wanted to, to build out and, and, you know, embellishing slightly what, what Matt said about and your question about the other communities. You know, they're, they're all excellent and they're really good, but, but they're focused on that one thing uh, and what it feels, not saying that we want to turn this into Google Hangouts, but it, it just feels like, you know, you can do all of these other things, but why would you not be part of this as well? Just so there's a, there's a constantly larger gene pool and a conversation and a debate and a, just a, a, you know, a, a freshness where those that are running their own communities can maybe come into this community and see something from a slightly different lens. Um, mm. you know, Matt said, you know, we've, it's got to be subscription based because we, we just, we can't be philanthropic and run it for nothing. Um, I don't think Matt and I are ever thinking that we're going to, or the other company that we're going to retire off the proceeds of the, the subscription fees. But if it helps, genuinely move the needle of change forward in all of the skills and executions of of delivering future insurance so get away from insure tech as such but whatever the industry needs to turn itself into and you know, from our perspective because we're a member of both communities that we've already identified some really excellent tech companies that are sitting out in general commerce so for an example uh, a, a data management company putting IoT into major plant and machinery uh, and all it wants to do is manage upstream work time. But actually, you can also see, you know, downstream failure sitting in there as well. So, you know, I think we've ever thought of bringing that to insurance industry. Well, no. Well, great. Well, you should, you know, and we can we can hopefully kind of, you know, bring bring some kind of new and fresh thinking sitting in there. Mm-hmm. And also just be a place. And, and I'll only mention it because Lloyd's is the is the best example. Yeah, they're currently going through with the lab, the cohort six uh, kind of application and, you know, kind of shortlisting to, to the final dozen or so that will be in there. But I had 177 applicants. And it doesn't mean if they don't get into the final 12 of the selected that they're failures. It's just for whatever the reason was in that, that snapshot of what the lab was looking to do on that one occasion, they just weren't kind of ready for it. Mm. And it, it struck us, you know, as we, we chat and we've, we've spoken to you know ed and trevor at, at lloyd's about this you know and so it just kind of seems a shame because if they weren't quite oven ready for you now you know you could introduce them into a community like this where they could just kind of hang out and they'll they'll learn some stuff about lloyd's because obviously beyond anything else they've got matt i you know and there's we, we are and i know you've you've, you've kind of kind of come into the tent yourself but you know there's a dozen 15 20 of us sitting in at the moment we need to have a 10 times that before we've got critical scale but already you know there's a there's a place we can bring them in we've got some good topic experts we can help them think about their business and if they really see Lloyd's as a play forward well we can get them ready for cohort seven if that if that feels right or actually you know what guys you know not not to be a denigrating conversation at Lloyd's that's a one-stop shop you know there's the rest of the insurance industry that you might come to so Again, if we can expose them and to those folks, then we just feel we're adding something to the mix of, of just trying to keep moving the needle gently forward. So again, mm-hmm. I think it's a case of our own little bit of micro innovation. It's, yeah. it's not not there to turn on a Lloyd's lab, do an insure tech gateway to get someone ready, you know, to be invested in or um, you know, Instech London bringing all those kind of you know the, the London market pirates together in that, that kind of the good ship Instech London. It's just a way where we can we can gently just keep iterating this this dialogue debate and start new debates. Um, you know, I I think you know I you know I've got my life as an entrepreneur away from insurance. You know, within the the, the kind of city livery movement, and you know, already 
we brought much of that both into cognitive life, but also ensure scale up. So mm. um, one of my, my fellow Freeman is the, the chairman and founder of the Association of British Mentors. Well, he's very happily now aligned himself with this organization. He would work with other organizations and probably will, but he could see the value of just having his general mentors and they go through all sorts of skills um, sitting in it. So it's a, yeah, as I said, it's just a nice hangout place that we are just trying to encourage people to come play in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah just just sort of Alex sorry just going right back it's another it's just sort of, sort of trying to sum it up it, it's it's an it's another way of us um bringing trying to bring to bear the smarter connected insurance it's you know it's about connecting people it's about creating a dialogue it's about people collaborating it's about us helping signpost it's about looking at things from a different perspective you know reimagining lifting your head up and looking at what's outside there trying to solve that i don't know what i don't know and and all of those things come to a common middle uh, mm-hmm. you know and, and as you say with, with insure scale up is one area cognitive risk is, is our you know the change consultants it's it's about trying to 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 move the dial move the needle and definitely we, we see this as uh, as a as an excellent you know aligned initiative that just also helps some of the people that we meet who are, you know, are interested in insurance, but need to do a little bit of work just to, before they become truly understood. And, and the, you know, the, the solution or the problem statement they're solving is, is uh, validated just to come and actually learn a bit more and vice versa for the insurers come, come and, and just, you know, be exposed and think about some, some different things and then take that back into your business and then po- hopefully post some questions of, you and your colleagues. So. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm so supportive of communities and ecosystems, and I think they're incredibly valuable. Um, funnily enough, I, I actually bottled it, but I was putting a post up this morning um, to, uh, to I, I've got, I, I, every Thursday I meet with a, a bunch of um, five guys that run recruitment businesses, and, and we just sit there and, you know, usually one of us has got the latest bit of tech and we kick around whether it's a good idea and, and, and it's just sharing ideas. And I think if it's nothing more than that, um, it's sense checking the direction you might be looking in. Um, because one of the things that comes has been a theme, because I've had a lot of the guys that have come through the Lloyds Lab on the podcast, mainly because I shamelessly targeted them all because I thought that's quite an interesting experience. And uh, which I think is actually how we ended up meeting. But, um, you know, the, the, the Lloyds Lab, the thing that comes back is that the guys go through it and they get exposure to legitimate pr- practitioners of insurance. And it shocks me to a degree that it's, that's, that's the process they have to, they have to get into the Lloyd's lab to get that exposure um, because, you know, they're building products that are aimed squarely at these, at these individuals and, and, and they haven't had any interaction with them. Um, and, and that's, you know, the more we can do to kind of help that exposure, the better. I mean, I, I even on my my own small way, I've done that, and, and I've been trying to kind of network. And I had someone, a tech company, come to me with what they thought was a brilliant idea, and it was a great idea. The sad thing was, I could point them in the direction of three other companies that were already doing it, and and you know that's valuable in itself. And and it's not because I like crushing dreams. It was more that if if it's a different version of this, then that's great. But but it is important to, you know, you don't know what you don't don't know and if and if you don't know that there's already someone out solving that problem um you know I, I think all of these things it's kind of the share of information just means we're building a better a better next generation insurance expi- experience on the aggregate as you say so it's, it's it's all these micro innovations as we go 
Um, but um, chaps, I, I need to I need to wind things up there because we're sort of we're approaching the hour mark. But um, I don't want me to have the final word. So, you know, what's what's next for either cognitive risk or or how can how can people kind of add value to the insure uh, insure scale up? Um, you know, what would what would be your parting comment that you would want people to come and support your cause on? Well, I'll, I'll put two in to start with. I, I think the next immediate thing for us is helping our clients uh, and the people we want to support start really thinking about what post-COVID looks like now, coming back to work. You know, everyone's talking about the kind of hybrid working, changes are going to go on. So I think there's a there's a lot we can add into the the mix and the meld of that, you know, both from a, a tech and a, um, and a business level. Um, in, in short scale up, it will be a subscription model at the moment. It's free we, 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 until we get to a critical mass, until we iron out the issues of it. We don't want to take people's hard-earned money to, to come into something you know, while we're building it. We're living the lean startup dream um, in the way we're doing it. So um, we've just encouraged people, if, if, if they've got a you know, curiosity to be amongst those folks, that audience, as I said, it's you know, insurescaleup.com is the website. I'll just you know, contact either through you, Alex, or directly with... Matt or myself and just come just come in the tent you know and just come and see what it's about and you know we, we're trying to you know meritocratize the whole thing as to what deserves to be in it you know and we we got our thoughts but already you know we talk to each person that thought changes as we go through so there'd be my two so okay thank you um alex thank you i mean again thank you for having us i mean just you know get get in touch with us on linkedin um cognitiverisk.com uh, as a mechanism on that and find out a little bit more about what, we, what we're doing and what, we, what we're thinking. Um, but yeah, really it's about speaking to people that are, are interested in understanding what, what tomorrow could look like um, and building onto the investments or the technology or the approaches or even the distribution that they've got today. And so um, we're, we're, you know, hopefully we would like to see that our curiosity and, and, and this imagination and just understanding about trying to make organizations more distinctive um, comes to bear. So if that sort of resonates, then definitely come and drop us a line and we'll be, we'd love to have a chat and take that, take that further. Great. We're just good people that want to do some good things. <laughs> That's a lovely way to end it. Cause uh, yeah, that I'll, I'll put myself in that camp. So I'll, I'll include a link to insurescaleup.com on uh, underneath the uh, podcast, but um, gentlemen, thank you very much for being a guest. I really appreciate your time. Alex, thank you. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm sorry for the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. It's not a podcast though. That are decent interruptions. So like to... Thank you. Thank you. As always, this podcast is brought to you by FinPro Search Partners, often simply known as FinPro. FinPro is an executive recruitment business working in the insurance and insure tech space on an international basis. If you would like to find out more about FinPro, please visit our website, www.wearefinpro.com or our FinPro company page on LinkedIn. I've been your host, Alex Bond, and I would personally love to connect with anyone who is interested in the changing world of insurance. So feel free to reach out to me directly, um, either on LinkedIn or via my email, uh, alex at wearefinpro.com. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and I hope to see you back next week. Thank you.